you put the mission first, you put your men, your people first, and then you put yourself last. When I look at what our government's doing right now, I don't get that sense that that's what's happening. Welcome to the Greenhouse Podcast, where we give you tips and tricks each week to become harder to kill. My name is Luke. I'm your host and instructor with GreenOps, joined today by Brian Duff, who is a, well, he has a website, mindforsurvival.com, into prepping, survival, that type of thing. Um, I will let him actually introduce himself because I could never give him enough credit. But first, I want to um, ask you to go like, subscribe, share, share with a friend. All that helps uh, us grow the podcast. Our marketing budget rhymes with hero. So word of mouth is how we're trying to grow this. So if you could send uh, a link over to your friends, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. But without further ado, Brian, how are you doing today? Hey, man. Great to be here. I'm stoked to be on the show. Awesome. So uh, give me a little bit of background. Mike Green is the one who told me that I needed to get you on the podcast. So give me a little bit of background of why Mike Green told me that. Oh, because he's crazy. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm i a I'm a prepper. I, I tell everybody I'm a full-on crazy prepper. I've always kind of been that way. Uh, I was a paramedic for years. I started off in Los Angeles. I left, the mil- uh, left being a paramedic, joined the Army. I did a, a tour in Ranger Regiment. Um, got out, went back to being a paramedic, ended up contracting overseas for about 10 years. Uh, finally ended up working with state department where I was overseeing one of the big whips programs. And then I was the training center director for North American rescues, uh, training center out in Las Vegas for a while. So, and I've had this mind for survival, mind number four, survival.com, uh, for, I don't know, about six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm a full on crazy prepper. I like to try to help destigmatize preparedness. I try to help people. I think most people are preppers already. And so I try to make it a little less overwhelming because they really are a prepper. They just don't realize it. Sure. And, and I think, you know, you, you say the term prepper in it, it does have like a stigma involved around it. I know they, they made that doomsday prepper show years ago and they basically just took every like legit crazy person and maybe like one or two actual smart people to put them on that show. And then they just highlighted like that these people were nuts or whatever. So um, like what, what got you into, so you, you did a little stint with North American rescue. What got you, is that what kind of got you into prepping or what just your experiences in life or. Yeah, it was, it was more of life experiences. And when I was a, when I was a kid, it was just, I, I was always the goofball kid because it's back before seatbelts were mandatory. And so I was the kid that wore a seatbelt. I was the kid that my dad would go out and hang the Christmas lights and the ladder would be halfway, you know, getting ready to fall over. And he's like, oh, that's all right. And I'm like, no, you're nuts. What are you doing? So I, I just always kind of been my jam. Um, when I was in high school, actually grammar school in high school, a buddy of mine's father had been a World War II Marine and he was all into preparedness. And back then they were called survivalists and all that. And so the prepper term kind of came out more around a little bit after like 2000 mm-hmm. and over time now, I think with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and just all the craziness that we've had over the last 20 years since nine 11, I think more and more it's becoming uh, less and less crazy. It's less, more and more acceptable, I guess you'd say. Well, I guess, you know, when the pandemic hit and people couldn't find toilet paper, that's maybe the like Kickstarter for a lot of people 
let's be honest, toilet paper really wasn't high on most people's lists, but all of a sudden it turned into something that like, oh my gosh, we have to have toilet paper yeah, of all go, things. Let's go fight over some toilet paper in the, in the supermarket. That's hundred percent right. It's uh, I think it dawned on a lot of people that, Hey, I'm not as prepared as I could be. And you don't have to be a crazy, I enjoy the community of preppers. They're a bunch of nut jobs. I'm kind of a nut job. I want a bunker. So I tell right. people like that, like, how crazy are you? I'm like, I want a full on bunker. I'm like, call it my man cave, underground, whatever you want. But like, hey, give me a year's worth of food and let me go down there and lock the door and come out and see what happens afterwards. I'm all good with that. So I'm that full on crazy prepper. What I tell people, though, is you don't have to be a crazy prepper as long as you're doing something. So you're a little bit more resilient tomorrow than you were today. And that's all that's all you need. And everybody has their own level of what they consider preparedness. Right. Some people like I want the crazy bunker. Other people to them, maybe having a first aid kit, understanding some CPR and like, you know, a couple days worth of food in the cupboard is as far as they want to go with it. And that's fine because you're that much farther along than if you had nothing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so just like bouncing off that, how does somebody get started? Like if I'm guessing you probably need to define the why before you even get started. Because you could be very overwhelmed if I, as non-prepper, thought, oh, i got to have a bunker. And, and now I'm like, whoa, man, that, that's yeah. an awful lot. No, again, it, it's all about your comfort level. I, I look at it as what makes a person feel more safe, more secure, and all that. So when, when, you, when you first get started, I think people need to look at, hey, do a risk assessment, right? Everything should be risk-based. Everything should be a risk-needs kind of based way to look at things and say, Hey, what are my risks? Well, preppers tend to look at things like, ah, is this asteroid going to come? Is this society's going to melt down? That's kind of the preppers jam. It's like, it's always this most extreme society hasn't really melted down much in our lifetimes. You know, an asteroid hasn't ended, ended the earth in our lifetime. So odds are it's not going to happen tomorrow, but what might happen tomorrow is your transmission goes out on your car. You lose your job. Someone in your family gets sick. So what are you doing to do that? When So one of my things was uh, a few years ago, all my time overseas caught up with me and it just crushed me with PTSD. I could barely function. Like if I could take a shower once a day, I was doing good. And when I ended up, I couldn't work anymore and all that stuff was going on. Well, I had a garage full of food and supplies and stuff that I lived off of. I, I Okay, let me break into this. I don't have to go to the supermarket. Was it fun? It's kind of like going back in the day and eating MREs again. I didn't really enjoy it. And I had that there. It's my insurance policy to get through that. And it helped me get through a lot of that stuff. So whatever a person needs, again, looking at the risk, looking what what is the most likely problem that they're going to have or problems. And, and again, they tend not to be major disasters. I call them micro disasters, something that you or your family unit, maybe you can't handle, but your family unit can help out with and stuff that you can get a little bit ahead of the game if you try. So uh, very simple, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you're talking about not the end of the world preparedness per se. That's not how you get started. It's the, Hey, yeah, I'm just a little bit short on cash this week, but I've got something in reserve so I don't have to, you know, go into debt or whatever it may be. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to go again. You don't need the bunker. You don't need the 10 years or two years worth of food, that kind of thing. You know, having, having a Dave Ramsey talks about on his, uh, you know, his money kind of thing. He's like, Hey, have an emergency fund, get a thousand bucks to emergency fund. That's being prepared. Right. Right. Just becoming more resilient. So that way you're not, if there's so much that happens in the world that's beyond our control, 
that you bring it back in. So if something beyond your control happens, you can kind of control the situation. You have something to say about it. You have something to say about how you're going to react to it because you've taken the time to get ahead of the game a little bit. So my question for you then, you've kind of told us like come up with not only the plan, but why you're doing it, you know, just start real small, whether it's like you said, the Dave Ramsey thousand dollar um, emergency fund, having a little bit of stored food, medical equipment, um, things like that. What, what are you personally like prepping for? What is your, do you have like a doomsday scenario that you're now working toward prepping or <laughs> are you still trying to say, I don't think you're saving up the thousand dollar Dave Ramsey fund still. No, no, I, I've gotten past all that. No, my, yeah. my jam right now is, and, and for years I kind of said before, I'd say before 2020, I was always like, Hey, look at some, to, to me, I, I said, if you, if you would prepare for something major, right, that was going to be a, like a, a grid down event. I think that our most vulnerable part of us to external forces is a grid down situation. Our electric grid is really bad. We saw what happened in Texas when they had the ice storms a year or two ago. So my thing is like, hey, just be prepared. Like if you all of a sudden you end up on an island, like you're on your own little island, what do you have to get by? And that's the way I looked at everything. Then flash forward to coronavirus and then all the fallout that's happened and the societal shift that we've had since then. I'm looking at right now, my biggest thing is a, uh, a financial collapse of our country. I think, you know, I mean, more and more we look at it, we have inflation. And I think if you go back and actually look at the numbers, the true numbers, because back, uh, I don't know if it was seventies or eighties, they, they changed how they calculate inflation. And if we went back to the way they used to do it back in the seventies or eighties, my understanding is we're at like 15 plus percent now on our inflation. Right. Wow. So we're, we're, you see fuel prices running away. I just, I just went out last year and bought a brand new diesel truck. Right. So um, perfect timing <laughs> big dually pickup <laughs> truck i have a transfer tank in the back the whole nine yards talk about like hey man i talk about the worst timing in the world i still love the truck <laughs> but you know you're looking at diesel prices going through the roof we see I, I try to tell people like when you when you look at um go to the grocery store right now there are holes in the shelves you see signs up hey only so much of this are we you know you're only allowed to two items or whatever we are in rationing part of the problem that humans have is and I guess it's not a problem, it's part of our coping mechanisms is normalcy bias, where we always want things, our, our subconscious wants things to be the same. As long as everything's the same, if I know it was good two minutes or two days ago and tomorrow's the same, well, I was good two days ago, I'll be good tomorrow. So we tend to try to look and normalize everything. And if you flat, if you jump forward from say 2019 to now, all of a sudden, like the economy's horrible, gas prices are through the roof. We, we're missing stuff on the shelves. We're rashing it. We're, we've already moved from good times to not so good times. Well, at some point, either someone pulls the lever and they figure it out and they we make a U-turn off of this and things get better. Or we keep going down the path of not good times, possibly becoming worse times. It's happened in our history, you know, the Great Depression and all that. So where normalcy bias comes in, it tries to say, yeah, it's not so bad. Things are getting, you know, it, it'll turn around. Maybe. Um, right now, when I look at when I look at what's going on in the world, when I look at the policies that are happening, I don't get a warm and fuzzy off of it. So I'm like, well, if this keeps getting worse, you know, I just I was watching some media today and they were talking about uh, by Labor Day, 
looking at diesel prices of maybe upwards of you know six, eight, ten dollars. It's already six dollars in place, but eight, ten dollars a gallon. What are the third order, you know, the secondary and tertiary effects that we have across society with that? So understanding that food may get more expensive, food may get more scarce, the the value of the dollar may go down, means your buying power is less. So what can you do now to hedge against all that if it does happen? So that's that's kind of my my thing right now is that's what I'm really looking at. So so what are you doing now to hedge against that specifically? Gold? I tr- are, are, are you investing in gold, precious metals, anything like that just for inflation, but then also product? So I, I try to diversify. I have crypto that's gotten tanked, obviously, lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have silver. I don't go. I like silver. I think it's a little bit easier to, to move silver and stuff. It's not as expensive. So if you have an extra 20 bucks, it's easy to get. Oh, I got this silver coin that I can look at. You can buy junk silver and all that online. So there is that. Um I try to stock up on food as much as possible. I look, I, I spoke with my father the other day and I was like, you know, he's like an 80 year old dude living in Los Angeles where I grew up. And I'm like, if every hole in your cupboard, if you have the means and all your cupboard holes aren't filled right now, you're probably wrong. You know, if you have the ability to do that, like stock up right now, cause we see food prices just keeps going up and inflation going up. So at some point, people might get stuck. You, I buy it today and tomorrow everything starts getting better. And now I just paid extra. So you always run that kind of risk. But it gets back to, do you have the, the food in the cover? We, again, we see the holes on the shelf. So what are you doing about the food? You know, what are you doing to, if that keeps getting worse? I mean, think about the 1920s. We had bread lines. I don't know. In the 1920s, our society was probably, was a little bit more resilient, I think, for like, okay, we're having food problems. I don't know how well that works out now. What is a lack of food? What is a food shortages in the city of Los Angeles, in New York and Chicago look like? So trying to get ahead of that. I think if um, times continue, we see the crime going up, you know, as, as the inflation is getting worse, we see more and more crime because more and more people become desperate. Obviously there's not a lot being done about it. Some of the crime in area. So all those interactions you have, if times get hard with people, those the people you're interacting with becomes your greatest threat, right? They're they're the people. Some dad that can't afford to has nothing to feed his kids. What's you know? Some people will try to figure out that where they don't go, and you know, go try to take it from other people or do something. But not all people. So trying to limit, trying to set yourself up so you could button down the hatches on your home or wherever you're at, and hopefully ride it out as much as possible. I, I think back to my days in Iraq driving around Baghdad and other parts of Iraq, you know, and seeing people trying to go about their normal lives. And you're like, those people are always just one step away from me at the wrong place at the wrong time when the Americans and the, and the knuckleheads got together and stuff went kinetic. And if you're that person, whether you're going to the store, you're going to the market, whatever, well, you're in a bad spot right now. Now, do I hope, do I think that's going to happen to the U.S.? I hope not. And there's a whole bunch of people in Ukraine right now thinking that, hey, this, I, you know, a year ago or two years ago, they would have never thought they'd be dealing with the stuff they're dealing with now. So, well, and all it takes is a, you know, you, you mentioned like the father trying to feed his kids. Mm -hmm. What's what, and I'm sure I've heard it said before, what are the grocery store shelves to be dry for like three days before you really start seeing some anarchy there? There's a lot of things that people will do when they're hungry. Um, if they can't find food. So, sure. uh, so being prepared for that is, is 
you know, a, a good thing. So that way you don't have to be venturing out into mm-hmm. maybe the like unknown to try to be finding food for yourself, your family and things like that. I know we, you talked about the um, ice storm in Texas that they were out of power for what? A couple weeks, maybe week and a half. I think some areas were down for like 10 days, give or take. Yeah. yeah they had a pretty good one. We had one here in Virginia last winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, personally we were out for about two days, but I had some friends uh, in the area that they were out four five, six days without power. And so that was a good kind of wake up call for myself and the family. I mean, we, we didn't thrive, but we right. survived like everything was good. And we made a little bit of changes after that. Um, the perfect example is I started buying like those little battery packs so sure. we could charge our phone just so we had some sort of news updates with the power company when we're going to get power. Um, so, which is never a bad thing, right. To kind of stress test yourself. And- yeah. I think, think that's a hundred percent right that's a great great way to approach it um i think level up you know some people go and like oh i need a year's of year's worth of food and they forget about everything else well like you mentioned earlier the toilet paper what do you have you know do you have enough to get by for a few days when i was living in virginia i lived in herndon the last time i was up in virginia mm-hmm. and uh we had this oh man this about five years ago now six years ago they had a snowstorm come through and it dumped like three feet of snow overnight well, the streets of Herndon never got, they, they, they were never snow plowed. And when I, then you leave Herndon, you, you head over into one of the other towns that borders it and their streets were all plowed. And I was like, what's the deal? They ran out of fuel to, for the, for the Herndon snow plows and the snow plows couldn't get through. Then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, if, if that happens with Herndon, what happens if other cities, you know, at some point they run out of fuel what's the guarantee that a snowstorm that comes through that dropping them three feet of snow doesn't last for two or three days and drop six, eight feet of snow. And now everything's shut down. Now, what does that look like for people getting the supermarket, at least for me getting the supermarket, you know, other people, hey, hopefully they prepared. I went when that storm was getting in, I went to the, uh, I went the night before I look when things are bad. I like going to the supermarket and wandering around. It was like, you mentioned the toilet paper deal. I was living in Vegas at the time when I was working for North American rescue. And I would, I would go to uh, some of these 24 hour grocery stores and just walk around to see the people. And you just see people like they almost look a little bit shell shocked. They're kind of like, what's going on in Herndon? I went and the manager of the store was, uh, she was inventorying the Swifters. And I was like, huh, I go, I mean, what you got going on? You're inventorying the Swifters. And she says, yeah. I said, well, like, why is that? Um, you know, cause I, I, cause I figured there's, there's other stuff that she needed, right. And or need to be done with the storm. And she's like, well, because what's going to happen in here is all these people are going to come into the store and buy up all of our food and water and all that. Then what's going to happen is the people that sat around and waited, like pops is going to come into the store. Nothing that he came in to get is going to be there. And so he's going to buy a Swifter to take it home because that was hey, like, at least we're stuck in the house. We can clean. Right. So it, it like, and so like she would, she was telling me the same thing. Like they're going to run out of their food. And you, you mentioned like three days. Yeah. It's just in time um, supply chain. The problem we have right now, I think with the supply chain moving forward and stuff though, is you have the wheat and, and, and food that Ukraine has produced. Russia has produced a lot of food over there. Neither of them are really going to be exporting as much. You have, um, I believe India has shut down all wheat exports. There's a bunch of Germany right now. I just read an article yesterday. Germany's at a 40 year high with inflation. Peru's at a 20 something year high with inflation. And they, my understanding was they had some food riots last month. 
So it's kind of like, I, I call it a, uh, a complex disaster, kind of like a complex attack, right? You know, it's multiple things that happen at once. So you have, you have inflation going on, you have these food problems, food instability around the globe, and it's just ratcheting up. And the more it gets pressure tested, the, se- the more it seems like it buckles. Indonesia uh, we're, we're, it has stopped exporting some of its food. So you have a lot of situations right now that I think it's, it's a good time to, to try to get ahead of things. Do you think any of those like other countries, maybe not some of the third world, you know, country, but like you said, uh, European countries that are having some of these issues, do you think they forecast things like a year ahead of what may happen here, six months ahead of what may happen here? Or is there any, is, is there, it's just like random. I don't know. I think they try to forecast it. My, my issues with anything that comes out of like the way the governments have done stuff is so far they haven't been, I haven't seen a whole lot of accuracy to their forecasts over the last few years. Sure. So I, I, I look at it now is I think that they all have most politicians and our leaders and, and even senior leadership across the military and, and society, different events and or, uh, government agencies and stuff like that. They all have an ax to grind, it feels like. And so I don't know that they put us, I, I, you know, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, The Mission of the Men and Me from Pete Blaber. He's a former uh, Delta Force squadron commander. And um, it, it's a real good book on leadership. And it's just, it, it, it's summarize it. You put the mission first, you put your men, your people first, and then you put yourself last. When I look at what our government's doing right now, I don't get that sense that that's what's happening. So if that's if that's currently the case, and I say, well, all their forecasts. I mean, when we know that, like for example, we mentioned inflation. If we know that the inflation stats are being skewed, so the inflation stats don't look as bad, well, then what else are they skewing? You know, and and so once we go down that, I go down that road, and I'm like, well, I can't. In order to protect myself friends, family, whatever, I need to err on the side that, okay, they aren't uh, acting in my best self-interest. They're not acting in the self-best interest of we, the people they're doing whatever they're doing. So what does that mean? You know, it means at the end of the day that I have to take charge of my own self. And that's where the whole being a prepper comes in. Gotcha. So with that being said, we've got to the doomsday, the world's ending, inflation's going to kill us. We may have riots in the streets. So we now, at this point, we're ready to start prepping. <laughs> what would you What would you say? Give me like three, five, you know, eight things that we could do. I'm, I'm sure there's some things we could do now. There's some things we could do this week. There's some things we could do this month. But just to try to get us, if we follow these one, two, three, four, 12 steps, we can be well on our way to being prepared. Yeah, I think first, like I said, do a a risk analysis, understand what are your big risks, whether that's you go to work, your kids go to school. If something happens, how am I going to get them back? Then I think after that, you look at securing your home. I think home security is huge. Years ago in the prepper community, maybe some still do. I say, oh, something bad happens. I'm bugging out. I'm heading out into the wilderness and I'm going to, you know, be John Rambo out there running around. It's like, that's not the case. And most people don't have a place to go to. And if you're just going to head out into the woods, well, that's a problem. Right. So secure your home. Simple things like if you go, if you go to YouTube or not YouTube, if you go to Amazon, they have door armor. 
a metal strip that you 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 screw in along your the, your door frame so that way it reinforces the door it makes it difficult more difficult to kick in um, taking out mo most of the hinges that people have on their doors are usually about one inch screws somewhere in that ballpark replace those with three inch screws so that way it gives it more to bite in the jam um, look at your home think about how you're going to defend your home people are like well i'll just you know i'll defend my home okay what does that look like where are your kids rooms inside your home because if you end up having to defend yourself and just even from like a, a home invasion kind of thing well and, and you start defending yourself where are your rounds going you know so understanding the dynamics of your house understanding that your house is a three-dimensional battle space if it ever happens you know something you know happens that way once you have your home more secure i would then look at your uh food making sure you have as much food on hand as you can possibly have to be able to weather the storm you know if the the bottom falls out and we have a lot of food instability a lot of you know hit our nation well maybe you don't need to eat solely your stuff maybe there's supplemental food you're able to get something but you have something to supplement it so that way you can stretch it that much farther um and then once you have that that taken care of next thing i look at is uh, like you did information what do you have to be able to keep the information going you know uh, you, you have to be advised you have to know what's happening out there so learning on what's going on around you and and i think looking at it from a realistic point of view part of the problem that we have with with the whole preparedness thing is it's usually kind of a pretty scary thing to think about you're thinking about like oh what if my family had to literally hunker down in the house because things have gotten so bad we don't want to go outside terrible thing to think about well that can get that whole fear you know fear response going in you and then people go off and do crazy things go in debt don't go into debt to buy this food be smart about it the Again, the world's probably not ending tomorrow. Hopefully everything I say here as far as the, the inflation and stuff, um, you later on, everybody can laugh, go, that idiot had it wrong. I hope I, I hope I have it wrong, right? But don't go into debt, you know, manage your finances. Um, talk with family and friends. You know, there's, there, there's, there's you know, force in numbers, right? There, there's salvation in numbers when, when you have stuff. So learn what you can do, see what your neighbors, you know, what, what's their plan. You know, you don't have to go out there and get too deep into it, but are they in touch with what's going on? And then also look at, do you have friends that live in other areas that in case something happens to your area, it's like, Hey, we need to get out of here. Whether that's a hurricane, you live down the Gulf or whatever, talk to other people and have a place to go if in case you need to get somewhere and then have a plan on how to get there. So I know when we had that snowstorm, I could, you hit on security. I could only imagine having to like be in that situation that we were at. Obviously it was really cold. We had a lot of snow and that's why the power was out for so long. But if I was also having to like feed kids, keep everybody like sane for three to four days, plus secure my location. I mean, it, it could very easily turn into a massive problem. Mm -hmm. If you talked about community, right? If it was just who we had here at the house, you know, my wife and myself and the kids, we'd be in tough shape, you sure. know, if it was only us, you mm -hmm. know, you almost need that community. You need to be reaching out to others, like-minded individuals. you get to know your neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And it, it, it's super important, right? I, th I think some of the easiest, that door armor, 75 bucks or so for a set of door armor and, and some other things, you know, and securing your home, 
since that's where you're going to be and that's where your most precious things in your life, your family are. I think it's the, the best way people can get started down that, down that avenue towards doing that. And you're not, it, it's like any defensive position. It's not going to stand, you know, they had the Maginot line uh, going into, into world war two and, and world war, it didn't, it didn't last. Right. It, it was a defensive position. They, they can plan around it. The good thing about it though, is I believe and I feel that most bad guys are going to come and try to do, if they're going to try to do anything, they have their plan. And if they get up and they go to kick your front door in and your front door doesn't move, well, now you're alerted to somebody out there and you just put them, took them out of their whole plane. Their, their OODA loop just got shot because everything they thought about was like, oh, this is down. So you, it, you can give yourself some sort of advantage just by having the surprise of, oh, this is somewhat of a hardened structure, you know? doing stuff you, you can go on nowadays with ring cams or lights. There's a lot you can do to put around your house. I had a house down in Georgia that got robbed. And then I come to find out other people in the neighborhood are getting robbed. So I went and put cameras and lights up. And I never got touched again. Make your house look a little bit harder than the neighbors. That's always, that's always a good tip, right? To uh, let them, let them rob your neighbor's house. Instead yeah, of right. house, I mean, you know, <laughs> someone's going to get robbed. (laughs) Somebody's got to get robbed. Let's let it be somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I also tell people too, like we, we, we focus on, we talk about food, we're talking about security and all that. And a lot of it's mindset. You know, if you can get ahead of things with your mindset, thinking things through, looking at the, getting other people's perspectives on things, looking at, you know, Hey, what's, what's going on with our economy and all this stuff, where might it go? If it doesn't even thinking through it though, in case it does go down that road, you've mentally kind of already, you're already one step ahead of the game because you have some thought. That's the whole Boyd's OODA loop, Mm -hmm. right? That was part of his whole OODA loop thing was, is if you can get out there and you do training, you do education and all that, you can get your loop going faster than other people's loop. You can get inside their loop. And so you're, you're ahead of the game. You're, you're getting other people to react to you. And now you're not going to get the situation necessarily to react to you, but you can make it so by planning ahead so that you're less reactionary to it. So almost mentally preparing. Let's. Mm-hmm. I've got one more question. Then, um, kind of uh, wrap it up. So, talk your website, mindforsurvival.com. Uh, talk to me through because there is a. You would probably know how many articles are on there, <laughs> but um, I, I've been surfing that for. Well, we've been. Tr- I've been trying to get you on here for weeks. It seems so. Um, there, I. The, you can just get lost. You can go down the rabbit hole. So, tell me a little bit how that website got started and what people can find when they're there. Yeah. So it originally got started when I came home from Iraq and I I was, I was working for triple canopy. I was running one of their overseas programs and I was just looking for something to do. I'm like, yeah, I got all this great experience. Let me put it out somewhere. So that's how the site got started. And then, um, you're right. There's a lot of information there and it's kind of all over the map a little bit. And that what, when I, when my PTSD got really bad, I, and I could barely function, it was like, all right, let me try to get an article out. And so I would grind on, on getting one article. Well, my, my focus was so short on things that, okay, once that one was done, it's time to shift to gears to something else that, that like a different article. So um, a bunch of articles, but I'm trying to try mostly to give people again, here's some information. It, it's my perspective or one of my writers' perspectives. Take what they're saying. It, it, you may not like it, but maybe there's that little piece. You know, I, you got you do training all the time, and then what's the old thing, right? If you go to a training course, if there is one thing, if you get one thing out of a training course, what well, was a successful training course? Right. Same thing. 
especially if you're new to preparedness, go down there, try not to feel the overwhelm, get ahead of the game, think things through a little bit and just get some ideas. There's a bunch of bunch of other sites out there do the same thing um, and, and just go into it. Maybe use it. I try not to go the crazy prepper. The world's going to end route on stuff. So if you can, if you if you have fa- if family members, sit down and talk about it. Hey, what do you think about this? And use one of my articles. Pull it up. Use it to you know get the get the creative uh, doomsday preparedness juices flowing in your head and and go from there. And that's one thing I loved about the site. There, it's not like you're not preparing for the asteroid that's going to hit earth or like the nuclear fallout where it's us and that's it. There's like four of us and we're hiking across a desert of America trying to find something, you know, it did seem most of the articles that I was reading were based in logic and legitimate things. Like we were talking inflation, you know, so having food now may be better six weeks from now when maybe it's harder to get a hold of some food or whatever. So it was based in reality. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's and a lot of it on the current events is, you know, I'll post articles up because I want to learn more. It's like, oh, what's happening on this? And so I'll go down the rabbit hole, try to figure it out and throw it up. And it's great. People leave comments and tell me I, you know, uh, I'm screwed up or whatever. But it's uh, no, it, it, it's a pretty good time. It, it, it's uh, like I said, I tried it. I really try hard to keep it down. I, I think too many people are running around like chickens with their heads cut off screaming, you know, hey, to chicken little thing the world's coming to an end i don't think that's the way to go about anything and all my years overseas or working as a paramedic anytime anybody freaked out and got really emotional including me on a situation never helped the situation out so i try to give people a level head now i do i do a uh, a political prepper kind of youtube channel with a buddy called the survival preppers and that I go crazy on. I'll go in there and drop my F bombs and I go right back to Ranger Battalion, uh, you know, talk. <laughs> so, right. But on the on Mind for Survival, I really try. I, I want people who are on the opposite end of the political spectrum for me to come there and learn because the more people that are prepared, the less problems we have when things happen. Awesome. That's a, that's a perfect way to end it. Let's, um, let's get, how do people get a hold of you? Um, obviously you said you've got, you know, another YouTube channel. So everything that you're involved with, go ahead and pitch that now. Sure, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, mind. The number four survival.com is the website. That's all one word mind for survival.com. And then I'm on the survival preppers YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and put in the survival preppers and you'll see me there. Again, that one, uh, we, I drop, I carpet bomb with the F-bombs over there. And when I get a little bit, I lose my mind a little bit and scream and holler and all that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And hopefully, like I said, people take something away from it and just reach out. If people have anything, go to my website, hit me up on the contact page. Love hearing from people. Awesome. And if you want to take some firearms training from us at Green Ops, you can do that. Check out green-ops.com. You'll find our schedule. We're in Texas. We're in Virginia teaching. We can also come to you. So if you are somewhere in the country that want to take some firearms training, pistol, rifle, shotgun, uh, send an email to info at green-ops.com. Get a conversation started. We have guns and we'll travel. So we'll come show you anything you need to know on how to run your firearms a little bit better kind of doubling up on that whole security thing for home security so we can help you out there like i said at the beginning make sure you like subscribe share all of that information 
um, to your friends, family, help our podcast grow. Lastly, I'm on Instagram, Wreck It Luke on Instagram. If you have questions, reach out to me. If you have questions for Brian, you can send them to me if you don't have a way to get a hold of him or you forgot something. Um, send them over to me. I can get uh, information to him or get it straight to him or have it filter through me. So with that, thanks everybody for tuning in. It's always good to be a little bit more prepared, even if it's, Hey, I'm just ready for tomorrow. I'm ready for next week. I'm ready for a year from now. Um, be a little bit more prepared and it'll, it'll serve you uh, well in life. So Brian, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Mom, dad, love you. And, uh, we will see hopefully everybody out there on the range sometime soon.